0: Good morning, greetings all in Jesus' name. This morning you can turn to Colossians three. We'll continue where we left off at there. Uh I don't have a Father's Day message plan, but uh does someone ha did someone want to share in the auditorium about their dad or anything? I'll give you an opportunity if if you want to bless your dad. <coughs> Alrighty, we're at verse 18 for Father's Day here. <clears throat> Before we get going here, thoughts went to Cam this morning. Uh, just uh, was mauling over that this week. A lot of you know there was problems in Haiti on that there. Uh, where one of their staff went totally wayward. And they're working through the things. And I was impressed this week as we remembered the victims and the missionaries down there. And the people who are working through this and sort, sorting through this uh, in prayer. And I talked to Stan this week earlier and he was saying it's just a real mess. But we have a pretty big God and a lot of things happened this week unrelated to that story. Uh, there was search and rescue out in about four or five states. There's many, many countries that Cam's work, the Lord's work went on. And uh, I guess it's a teachable moment. And one of the things that I think about it is, there's a difference between total and complete forgiveness and acceptance and holding somebody accountable. And sometimes it's better to be very candid than to be very secretive. And I don't know, you know, as we put ourselves in the place that each one of those leaders was in, we might have handled it different, and we uh, we don't know all the details. But one of the things that I think through things like this, I appreciate builders, when there's things that are uh, coming apart and it's, it seems like the uh, a lot of stuff falling apart, I appreciate the builders who pray and shore up the victims and the uh, and the ones involved there and the leadership. So continue to remember Cam in prayer. So when I was growing up in the '60s, uh, America. Was changing. And, um, in our neighborhood, and I shared this before here, there was one divorced, uh, couple that we knew in all of, in all of our neighborhood. And when they divorced, they moved from the area, both to different places, kind of out of the shame of it. And when you go back a little bit further, in the early 1900s, there was hardly any divorce in the United States and Canada. A very, very, very small percentage. That started growing a little bit in the 40s and 50s, tiny, minute. But it changed in a big way in the 70s when no-fault divorce was introduced. Uh, when, when no-fault divorce was brought out, all of a sudden there was a lot more divorces and what that changed is you didn't have to say my wife was abusive and it's her fault or my husband was this and it's his fault you could say we both we have irreconcilable differences and we're just going to split and it made it easy for them So what we find out is that we can't look at culture and we can't look at modern day and we can't look at the newest book on our advice for relationships. And we're going to look at some verses here and it gives, it mentions five or six people. It mentions husbands, wives, children, servants, masters, our uh, employees, our employers. And it gives us each one word to work on. Uh, and it and it works on that there one word, and we'll read it here, and we'll go to and include verse four or chapter four, verse one, because they made a mistake when they made the Bible, and they they should have included that there. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your master according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily unto the Lord, and not to men, knowing that the Lord... Of the Lord ye shall receive your reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong that he has done. And there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And I wanted to include one thing that as I was uh, restudying this, I had went through... The, the first part of the chapter, the last time I preach, but in verse sixteen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know how when some company comes over, you say, "Hey, make yourself at home. Uh, just don't worry about taking your shoes off, just just relax and make yourself at home. And it's the idea of the the patterns that God has for us in our relationships and in our life, the patterns that we have, Um, we should grasp these patterns from the Lord and that it it should dwell in us. It should find a home in us. And these things that we're going to look at today, it's like we can do an audit and we can see how we're doing. And it's like all of us here have some places where we can improve on. There's nobody in the auditorium here that doesn't need to look at these here patterns that the Lord has and to evaluate and audit our lives and say, "Well, I'm you know, I'm not really collecting that tax." And I should be. And and we we need reminded of this here. And understanding where we're wrong is a, is a first huge step of change in our lives. Uh, and it, absolutely everyone here is in training. I just so appreciated the the wedding we had, that preacher that said, marriage, relations, marriage relationship, and other relationships are God's workshop. That's where God perfects. And it's uh, ironic that God takes the selfishness that we display in our marriages and uses it against us to grow. And uh, I appreciate that. And we know that uh, marriages are a challenge and tough. To quote uh, Sister Irma Bombek, marriage has no guarantees. If you're looking for that, go live with a car battery. And I appreciated her wisdom on that there. It's what we put into it. So we start with wives submit. And I feel this collective groan go through half of the congregation here. What is that deal? Like, you're still over the kids and the dog and the goldfish, so what do you want? What, who do you want to be over there? Wives submit, and we bristle at that. Do you guys remember the book, um, Total Woman?, this, I, I know I'm old but no nobody remembers it there it was one of those books that us men bought and put on the coffee table and the sink and places for the wives to read I may be wrong on some of these details here but I don't remember ever hearing Ruthie discuss it much or, or talking about it but it made, in the 70s, it made a lot of ripples and waves because this gal came along and she said, the way for a marriage to work is for ladies to use the pattern of the Bible and to submit to the husband. And it came at a time when there was so much misunderstanding with what that meant in marriages. And she gave it unapologetically and she gave it, uh, uh, to have a happy marriage, here's here's how it's got to work. Well, that was about the time that women's lib and the 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 culture was changing, and the songs were changing, the movies were changing, and America was changing. And they hated what she had to say. She was ridiculed on television and Time magazine, and she was taken to task, you're moving us back a hundred years, and I was wondering, when I was studying this, I was wondering, okay, is she still married? I was really curious about that, and I couldn't find it out. She lives in Ohio, she's 81, and she sold over a half a million books. And It was a bestseller, and basically the message was, uh, be supportive of your husband. And you know, we're not sheepish or apologetic either when we try to lay out what God has for us. And submission is part of it, and it's part of it for all of us, but there's a pattern that he lays out. And if we understand it, we don't bristle at the word submission. But all of us have a hard time with submission. We really do. And we struggle with, uh, with uh, submission in our own lives, and so we know what, it, what it's like. But what, what the Bible is talking about here is that there's, there's a family unit there, and the wife is different than the husband. She has she comes at things from a different direction. She's emotionally more in tune, and she grabs a hold of problems in a total different way. And she sees and views life in a different way than a man views life or sees life. And, you know, I don't know, ladies, you can kind of know this better than me, but I think sometimes in this fast-moving world, Ladies do have the tendency to try to take more on than they should. They, they try to control more than they should. And they get to the place where the, where the load is too heavy to carry. It's just a heavy load to carry. Uh, sometimes you as ladies feel like you need to be us as men, our Holy Spirit. And you don't need to worry about that. God takes care of that. Just let God take care of it. Just get out of the way and let God hit him and bring him down a notch and work in his life. Just, just let him, uh, take care of it. We don't have to do that, but I think, I, and, and I might be, I'm not a woman, so I'm, I'm, uh, at a disadvantage on saying what your problems are, but, I think you take too much on yourself and then it becomes too heavy to carry. Does that make sense there? I think it... You know how you go to the bathroom and close the door and lock it so nobody can get in and you get down on the floor and you cry and you say, Lord, just change that guy. Just make him see it. And then you wash your face and you come out with a smile on your face and everything's fine and everything... Some of what you're carrying is not for you to carry. And it says, but you don't know my husband. Well, the Bible lists different places where it says, if your husband is like this, and if he's like that, just even so, uh, walk by him. A wife's role is a supportive role. A wife is not part of the opposition. A wife's role can see where I'm going wrong and so many times when I ignored that advice, it was to my own hurt. A woman looks at things different and it's by God's beautiful design. It's not like, okay, I appreciate the men better than I appreciate the women uh, and then I appreciate the children Less. It's not like that at all, but we somehow get things twisted. And in this day and age we live in, any word of submission is a bad word. It's, to, to our culture today, it's a hateful word. It's a controlling word from men. It's the way men try to keep women in under. And when you look here at the Bible... Now, a couple of clarifications. Boy, this is talking about... Uh, Submission makes my mouth dry. A couple clarifications. It's in the Lord. If a husband asks you to to lie for him, you don't have to lie for him. If a husband asks you to do something ungodly, you don't do something ungodly. And, you know, there's different personalities in women represented here. There's there's, uh, outgoing women. There's quiet women. Outgoing and quiet doesn't describe whether a lady is submissive or not, or supportive or not of her husband. You can be the quietest little peep that you ever want to be and not support your husband at all. But the Bible is saying, look, you're, you're uniquely designed to walk beside your husband and to support him and to direct him, there was a word that I was uh, in the Old Testament, some of the same words that used in help meet are used in the Old Testament, and when you take the Greek apart, it's called the rescuer. And so often that is what the wife becomes. a helper, a, a rescuer. So, wives, submit yourself to your husband as it is fit in the Lord. Thank you. The Bible talks about a woman that can get critical of her husband. And it talks about it's a lot easier to live on the corner of a rooftop than it is or in under the roof or whatever it is than to live with a critical woman. But a woman, a wife's God-given privilege is to support, to analyze his blind spots, to help him. I don't think that a wife is called not to say, hey, we are you sure we better do this? uh, a, A wife steps up to the plate and talks to her husband and helps him and challenges him. I remember Ruthie saying uh, in my discipline early on, Ruthie saying, that's not okay when it was just me and her, not, not in front of the boys. And as I look back over, if I could change one thing about being a dad, it's how vicious i was when i was pretty young if i could change one thing that would be the first thing i would change wives you're not called to, to not challenge us that's not what being submissive means you're not call, you're called to be there and challenge us we have to do this together and it's a thing we got to do together and we need your input we need you to speak into situations where you see that we're wrong. And ladies, you need reminded of that. You're not part of the opposition. You're part of something beautiful. You're part of, of helping your husband to be what he needs to be in the Lord. Husbands the one word that we have is love. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. These two kind of go together here. Leadership doesn't equal boss in God's economy. Let me say that again. Leadership does not equal boss in God's economy. If a husband... Leads from like a worldly l- boss does. Uh, leadership in God's economy means servant. As Christ loved the church, is what a lot of the verses say, is how you're supposed to love your wife. Not selfish, not, uh, you gotta be kind, not harshly, not domineering, not controlling, not pulling rank, not unloving. As Christ selfishly, selfishly selfless, selflessly, thank you, gave His life for your good, for your growth, is where a husband finds himself. There, you know, there's a there's a bishop in our church in um, in the Horning Church, Luke Good. And in, in our circles back then, there was a saying right away when there was trouble, and it was said in Dutch, she's unwilling to give herself down, was a, was a phrase that was often used to, to sideline a woman who maybe gave her opinion, and should have gave her opinion. But Luke Good's wife, was kind of quiet, but one time she had asked Luke, and I I shared this, I think, sometime. She had asked Luke, Luke, our kitchen is so small, and it goes over in the dining room, can't we take this wall out and just make an arch? No. So, and I say that because I worked with Luke a lot, and his answer was blunt and to the point. He was a very uh, strong man. So years later, she went to the hospital. He went to the hospital, and she decided to do an opening by herself. So she took an axe to start, and it shows the level of frustration. Ladies, you can feel this after so many years of the husband just saying, "No, we're not going to do that." Well, why not? Cause. So she went in the wall with an axe, and the first thing she hit was the water pipe, and she didn't know how to shut it off, and it flooded the basement, and she had to call her children over, in her, uh, in her, uh, demolishing uh, project. So I thought of that today again, as our, our this week as I was studying that. Let's unpack that a little bit. Husbands, do you know how frustrating it can be to have your short, blunt answers and to have your careless, uncaring attitude in a home? After a wife was there all day with the little ones, she wants an adult to talk to, and you come in and you're short and blunt, and controlling and it's my way or the highway and there is no give and no discussion that is not what Christ was like that is not what Christ how Christ treated the church and so I was wondering oftentimes as we look at that fault was was she just unwilling to give herself down or was it about high time that somebody uh challenged. And I don't know the answer to that. But in your life you're thinking of some things right now. You're thinking of some incidents. You're thinking of how you resolved some things. And how you retort and how you're grouchy when you come home from the truck with only 14 hours in. And and what this is calling us to is to step up to the plate. You know in our culture they lost this battle. Half of the people now and the only reason it's half is because so many are living together and they're not married. They're not following God's pattern. But here, right here, you can look at God's pattern and you can say, you know, that's true. I am I I need to get back to God's way of, of looking at things. Not domineering, not controlling. It's way easier to to support a husband and to walk beside him and to lift him up and to discuss things with him if he is like Christ. He earns your support. No marriage will ever be even mediocre without sacrifice on both the husband and the wife. But she'd take advantage of me. She'd absolutely take advantage of me. So what? The husband is responsible to make the marriage work. Anger and grouchiness kills the marriage. Live with her according to knowledge. Know her limitations, struggles, and needs. Next one is children, obey your parents. Children, are you listening to this here one? Children, obey your parents. Because it's well-pleasing to God. Honor your father and mother. Uh, Children, don't be disagreeable or say, why must we do that? God likes when you learn to be obedient to your parents. He loves children who have learned to be obedient to parents. Uh, I just thank God for our Christian homes here. When when And I see what for job that a lot of you are doing as parents. You care. You put yourself into it. And when I look at uh, when you, when you know, the more the norm is when you go to Walmart is that a, a youngin is out of control, just totally out of control, and you have young kids and teenagers controlling the family schedule. Children obey your parents. And there's about only a half a dozen verses where the Bible talks directly to children. And and in these cases, it's honor our our obey obey your parents. Fathers provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Um, and I think we're doing better than this than we did in my generation. And we don't want to overcorrect this thing. But I was talking to somebody. Yesterday on the phone, not from this area, she talked about her dad totally losing it. And she talked about how a couple of them tried to intervene and say, hey, and when that was over, the dad had no recollection of that, had no recollection that they were saying, hey, calm down, uh, calm down, stop this. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, and don't discipline children in anger. Wives or husbands, call out this kind of abuse. And if you can't settle between husband and wife, get help. Call out abuse where there is beatings of children. Call it for what it is. And when you can be responsible to each other, and when we can learn from a wife or a husband on this, that's fine. When not, we need to go further with it. There's some things that you say, well, is firmness with children abuse? No, obviously not. And there's some areas in there where we'd all look at things just a little bit different. But then there's a line that's crossed that we all know, that we're all on the same page, and therein lies that we need to hold each other accountable for that. There, children really need affirmation, and they really need encouragement, and they really need a dad and a mom to be together. If if there's if there's one thing that helps a a child. Instability, and to to accept God and to love the Lord. It's parents that love each other and they, and a stable home to be into. But they do need they do need understanding. You need to understand their frustrations, their limitations, and you need to be reasonable. Uh, servants obey. The one word we have. Uh, is to obey, servants obey in all things your master according to the flesh, not not just when he's watching, not with eye service as men pleaser, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. You know, uh, we should do this no matter who's watching. And this is hard for us all. You know, uh, a lot of us are employees in here, and we should do this whoever when nobody's watching or when when everybody's watching and and not just for our um, recognition or anything like that but uh, this is the way that we live our life we do this unto god and uh and there's so you know sometimes because we're human we try to not really help each other up or, or anything like that, and we bring each other down by leaving some of the facts out or that kind of thing. But a Christian employee looks out for the good of others and pushes others up. And I think that's a big difference between a Christian employee to try to push others up the ladder and the all-American way is pulling people down as you step on them to get higher than them. Uh, but the beautiful thing of all these patterns that the God, God lays out, the God that made us and designed us laid out, the beautiful thing is that He knows what we need and He knows what works and He knows that we'll stick out in a society like this when we're the person who takes the fall or takes the hurt right, and takes the blame and cruises with it without someday being a payday but that we push others up the ladder ahead of us there. And the last one is servants obey. No, I'm sorry. The last one is masters give. Masters give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Why? Knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Christian employers, and we have uh, gratefully... A nice amount in the room here this morning. Christian employers. You should be the best employer to work for in Sawyer County. Christian employers should be the one that that we stand in line to work for. Christian uh, gives fair pay, gives recognition, gives respect, gives mercy and grace and understanding and support. Do you know that uh, out of uh, the little studies they do for businesses to try to help them get a grip on their employment and that kind of thing, and why a person leaves the job that they're into, and pay is like five or six oftentimes in a lot of studies that they do and questions that they ask. Um, it's oftentimes relationship with the boss relationship with co-workers, scheduling, feeling unappreciated, or no room for growth. And then it's money. So I think in this give thing, Christian employers, it's not (coughs) just that you pay higher scale than everybody in the county, but that you appreciate a person for their value and their faithfulness. And that you recognize it. And that you're merciful when they goof up. And that you don't let them make them wear that forever. A Christian employer is a person that is going, to, is going to deal with something and then it's going to be over and they're going to be going forward. Employers, treat others as you wish to be treated. Traits of a good boss, decisiveness, confidence, Responsibility, focus, and creativity, that's that's all American. That's what a good boss is. But Christian boss add fairness, respect, and support, and empathy to that there list. Okay, in closing, bad relationships. I was thinking of, uh, especially a bad marriage, is like a shipwreck. Like a slow motion shipwreck. And it made me think of the Eben Fitzgerald. And that line in that song, Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? And the next phrase is, The searchers all say they'd have mate white fish bay if they put 15 miles more miles behind them. And I was thinking of that in our marriages and in our relationships. A slow shipwreck. And the searchers say it maybe could have been avoided. And I'm so grateful for the high priority that we place on good marriages and faithfulness. But we can get careless. We can get way careless. All of us. And it takes us, it takes us understanding what God's design is and willing to sacrifice and willing to give our fair share, share or meet more than in the middle it's God's pattern and why he has this in the book is we're kind of reminded of this and we make adjustments and if, if you go away from here frustrated I did the wrong thing if you go away from here saying you know what it is really worth it I am going to try harder I need to step up my game and do my... Then, then God did, through His writing, what He had intended us for us to do. Let's kneel for prayer. Lord, we thank You for these patterns that You so carefully laid out in Your Word help us to rely on your wisdom and not our own. We so often feel like we have the answers. Lord, there's so many books and so many so many people speaking into these subjects and we just we just trust the patterns that you have laid out. Lord, heal any brokenness among us. Help help us to to be the fathers, the husbands, and the wives that we should be, that you've called us to be. Most of all, teach us to love one another with agape love, unconditionally. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, Amen.